Hi, my name is Caroline Durham and I'm the Minister of Children here at Heights Baptist Church. Thanks for joining us online today. You can find our content on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and at our website, heightschurch.org slash connect. You can let us know that you joined us today um, and let us know how we can be praying for you. Thanks for joining us. Cool. You know, let me, let me kind of ask you this question as we get started. And just be thinking about this in your head. It may be something you've never really thought about. And so you just kind of want to process and go, hmm, well, I've never really thought about that. But when you are meeting somebody new, or maybe it's just somebody you know, and, and they're telling you something, how long do you think in your mind it takes for you to determine if you're going to trust that person? Okay, just kind of kind of think about that in your head. All right, now, like, how long will it take for you in your mind to say, okay, I trust that person? You know, maybe it's, a, it's an hour, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes. You know, Dartmouth College in 2014 in their neuroscience department did a study on that very question. How long does it take for you to trust a person that's sitting right across from you giving you some information? You know what they found in their research? The average person takes three hundredths of a second to determine whether they trust that person across from them. Think about that. Three hundredths of a second. So about the time it takes for you to blink your eye, you're determining, I trust that person. And a lot of times, it's by just the way they look. And you go, well, that looks like a pretty decent person. I can trust them, right? But we live in a world right now where there's a lot of distrust, isn't there? I mean, you get that Facebook message from your friend, and it says, click this link. And you're like, I don't know. Should I click that link? Can I trust that person that sent me that link? Maybe in, in the business world right now, you're meeting a new client, and, and the client says, hey, yeah, sign on up. We can deliver this product to you at this time. And you're thinking, oh, I don't know if, you, if I'm going to get that delivery at this time with everything's going on. You know, there, there's a lot of information that comes around to us, and right now we seem like we're in this world of just kind of distrust and can we trust our spouse? Can we trust our kids when they go, hey, I won't break curfew tonight. I'll be right home at 11, right? I mean, you just think about that. How do, how do we trust? If we've got that much distrust in our world, what about when it comes to God? Can we, can we really trust God? I mean, isn't that the tension within our lives as we start out a new year? Can we trust him? Can we trust that he will be faithful? Can we trust that, yes, he will take care of us when we go, well, man, I've, I've been sick half this year, or, or maybe there's some financial issues or health issues, marital issues. There's all kinds of issues in your life, and you're like, well, can I really, at the end of the day, trust God through all these things in 2022 as they come my way? You know, in Mark's gospel, I want you to see something as we open up, and we're going to kind of go just from verses 1 through 8 this morning. Again, I want you to read the chapter uh, later today. But what I think you're going to see is this, that you can trust God today because God is a God who keeps his promises. All right, that's what I want you to get, that you can trust him today because he is a God who keeps his promises. So let's just dive right on in. Verse 1, Mark opens up. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, when you start right off the bat, you see those words, the beginning. Uh, maybe in your mind, you're already thinking Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. 
John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. As Mark starts off this gospel, he's using that word, the beginning, which tells you as a reader something new is about to happen. Something exciting is about to take place, all right? So he says, in the, the beginning, and notice he says, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And, and Matt said it earlier, that word gospel means good news, but it's not just any good news, right? Mark's not just saying, oh, there's just good news. Like, all right, hey, you may get good news today. The mechanic says, look, it, it, it didn't cost as much as, well, we thought it was going to cost to fix the truck. Whew. All right, that's, that's gospel, right? That's good news. Doctor may call you and says, look, you, you, you know, you're, you're feeling poor, but it's, it's not COVID. You're okay. All right, woo, good news, right? You know, your, your football team may win today. Gospel, good news, right? But he's, he's not saying it's just any general good news Mark is going to tell us about. He said, no, 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 I'm centering you in on something. I'm sharing something very particular with you about someone. So he says, this is the beginning of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And Mark gives us three names of Jesus there. And, and if you think about names, names are, are, are very powerful, aren't they? Names are very specific. You have names for a reason, for a purpose. You named your children what you named them for a reason. You know, maybe it was to carry on the, the, the name of your you know, family. Uh, like, I'm, I'm a junior. I'm David Lee Peoples Jr. You know, my parents had me take Lee as my, as my name. They had me take my middle name because my parents didn't want me growing up being called Little David or Junior. So they said, all right, I'm, I'm a junior. My oldest, David, is the third. He's David Lee Peoples the third. And so when we found out we were having a boy, uh, Sandra and I, we began talking about names. And I said, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll make a deal with you, dear. I said, if you will allow us to, to say David Lee Peoples III for the first one, I'll give you naming rights on every other kid, no questions asked, because I want that name to continue. And she said, all right. Well, we have James, James Wood Peoples, and James bears a lot of the names from her side of the family. So names are very strategic. I also lobbied for Scooter, because I've always wanted a kid named Scooter. Because uh, I just think Scooter's a great sports name, right? You know, here comes Scooter Peoples down the court. Scooter Peoples, bottom of the night, steps up and hits a home run. You see how well that conversation went in our house, right? It didn't last very long. But Mark is giving us names. And he says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And, and this name, Jesus, is the Greek name for the Hebrew word, Joshua which means Yahweh is salvation. He gives us the name Christ, which is Greek equivalent for the Hebrew word Messiah, which means anointed one. And he says this is the Son of God, which expresses the divine nature of Jesus, right? So when he says he's the Son of God, he's letting us know the, of this idea that John unpacks in his gospel of his full humanity and his full divinity. So he's more than just a good teacher. He's more than just a good moral man, that this is the Son of God, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one. Yahweh is salvation. This is who Mark is telling you about. About. 
And what I love about Mark's gospel as we get started in this is, is Mark's gospel is my favorite gospel because Mark's gospel is all action. Right? I mean, it's just all action when you read through this. I mean, it, it kind of reads like your Twitter feed, your Facebook posts. I mean, it's just it's one big thing right after the other. Mark just doesn't slow down. He's like 100 miles per hour all throughout his gospel. And understand the gospel writers are writing to different audiences for different reasons, right? So you have Matthew, who's writing primarily to a Jewish audience. And what Matthew does in writing primarily to the Jewish audience is he's unpacking a lot of Old Testament prophecies. And he's showing you that Christ came to fulfill the law perfectly. And he fulfilled all those Old Testament prophecies and that Old Testament law. And he is the Messiah. Then you have Luke, who's writing to the Greeks, and Luke is showing you that he is the perfect son of man. And you have John, who's literally, John says, I'm writing to the world. John says, this Jesus is fully God and fully man in whom you have to believe and to receive in order to be saved. And you got Mark. And Mark's writing to the Romans. And Mark is showing you, no, this king is a perfect servant. And this king, he'll say later in Mark 10, 45, is the one who gave his life to be a ransom for many. And so when you stop and think about just that first verse, what you see in that very first verse is all the promises of God up to this point are being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That Savior that was promised long ago, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.15, all those Old Testament prophets who preached about him, all those Old Testament prophecies, Mark is saying they are found and fulfilled right in this person by the name of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And so this morning, when you have issues, and you say, man, can I trust God? Can I trust him still to be with me in 2022 and, and get me through what's coming and get me through what's today? Look back at Mark 1.1, because what you see is a God that you can trust because he's a God that keeps his promises. But I want you to notice something else, that he's a God who sends his preachers. Right? He's a God who sends his preachers. Let's pick up in verse 2. Mark writes, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his straights path or his, his path straight. Notice in verse 2, he says, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet. I love the way that that phrase, as it's written, it can actually be translated out this way. It stands written. <laughs> and so he's saying, it stands written, as it's written, that it's going to happen, that God is going to send a prophet before the Messiah. And notice what's going to happen. Two things that uh, Isaiah predicted and, and that Mark is pointing out. There's two roles that this prophet's going to face all right, and, and do. Notice number one, verse two, he's going to prepare your way. He's going to be the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. You know, in, in this culture, in this time, what would happen if a, if a king is traveling in a new area? They would send a herald out before the king. The herald would have essentially two jobs. The herald would come in the new area and he would say, the king is coming. The king is coming. Prepare the way. Get ready. The king's coming. That would be the number one job the herald would have. Right? The, the king's on the way. 
The second job is the herald would then send servants out, and the servants would inspect the roads, and the servants would make the path ready for the king, right? They're filling in the potholes, they're cleaning off the roads, making sure there's no sticks or debris. They're, they're making the path ready for the king to come. And so Mark is reminding us that in the Old Testament, there's all the prophecies of this prophet to come who's going to be the herald, who's going to say, the king's coming, and I'm here to make a way, to make a path, to make sure it's ready for that king to come. Now, who's that person? We meet him in verse 4. John appeared, Mark says, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Verse 5, and all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were coming out to him or being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Verse 6 says, now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. All right, and I'm not going to really get into that because I don't want to make you too hungry uh, by talking about eating locusts and honey this morning. I know I don't want to ruin your snack during life group here in a few moments. But verse 4, Mark identifies this man by the name of John. He'll tell us later in chapter 6 that this is John the Baptist. And notice what John is doing because what he's doing here in verse 4 is really, really radical. He's baptizing Jews. Now, up to this point in the Bible, in the Old Testament, you're not going to see the act of baptism in the Old Testament. This is where you're going to start seeing it in the New Testament. The word baptism means to immerse, to dunk, to put under. Right? And this is why we call him John the Baptist. He dunked people in the Jordan River and he brought them back up. This is why, as a church, we baptize by immersion. We don't pour, we don't sprinkle. We put you under the water and we bring you back up. But John's doing this for a reason. The people are repenting of their sin. And now they're publicly declaring that they believe and they're trusting and following in the Lord. And so understand the order of baptism should always be this, salvation, baptism. Because baptism is that public declaration of something inwardly that has happened. So repent means to simply turn, right? So I'm turning from following my sin, and now I'm turning to follow God. It's a military term that means to do an about face, right? I'm, I'm turning from going this way away from the Lord. I'm repenting, and now I'm turning, and I'm following the Lord. Now, a way that we express that is through baptism, right? Baptism doesn't make us saved. Baptism says, I believe, I'm, I'm saved. And so for the Jews of this time, to get baptized is radical because this is not what they do. Now, if a Gentile converts to Judaism, then the Jews would baptize that Gentile because they would say, listen, you're a Gentile, you're dirty, you're sinful, you know, you need to get right with the Lord, you need to get baptized, and the Gentile would get baptized. But now you have Jews who are publicly going out in front of others who are going, I'm dirty, I'm sinful, I need to get right with the Lord, and I'm going to get baptized. That's why also we do public baptisms here. We, We don't do private baptisms because it's a public testimony now in your life that you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And I know for some people there, they're like, I don't know if I want to get baptized, right? In front of people, I'm I'm shy and I'm not good in front of crowds. And, you know, I've had people over the years tell me I don't want to get my hair wet in front of somebody. And I I had a conversation. I'm not going to tell you who it is. um, And I'm not going to tell you when it took place. All right. It just took place in the 17 years of my ministry. But I had a conversation with a Marine once who got saved, and, and he needed to get baptized. And this full-grown adult, I mean, he served our country as a Marine, and he told me, he said, I, I just don't like crowds. Can't get baptized. I don't want to do it publicly. You know, so I was trying to give him some encouragement. No, no, you can do it. You can do it, you know, and all this. And finally, he's just like, no, no, I, I don't want to do this. I, I, I can't do this in front of people. So finally, I, some of you know me decently enough by now after four years, I just kind of like to just put it on the table. I just, you know, let, let's just cut through everything else. Let's just say what needs to be said. And just, I'm going to say, if you get mad at me, that's all right. You don't have to send me a Christmas card next year. It, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to be okay here. So I looked at him. I finally said, let me just stop you right here. I said, you, you're a Marine, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I was a Marine for over 12 years. I said, so you as a Marine were trained to save us in war. You actively served in combat in another country for our country. You know how to shoot weapons and blow things up. He's like, yeah. And you're telling me, as a Marine, you can't sit there and publicly declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life and let me take you under the water and bring you back up all within five seconds. What would your Marines friends say about your shyness right now? Dead honest said it. This dude was bigger than me. I thought he was going to hit me. I mean, the look he gave me, and finally it was like, you know, you're right. I need to get baptized. Amen. You need to understand this. There are still parts of our world that when someone does what we do often in baptism, it might cost them their life. It might cost them their job. They may get kicked out of their family. They may get kicked out of their community. For the Jews back then, that was a big, risky deal to show up to the Jordan River and get baptized. So I understand shyness. I understand all those things. But allow the Lord to use your shyness. And if you need to get baptized, it's time to make that right. You need to do it. And so John is out baptizing in the wilderness. But notice he's proclaiming, verse 4 tells us also, a message of forgiveness. And and, and we see that these people are, are getting baptized. They're repenting. They're turning to the Lord. And it's this repentance for the forgiveness of their sins. I love the way maybe your translation writes it, the remission of their sins. It literally means to be sent away. And so when you repent, you ask God to forgive you of your sin. God sends them away. In the Old Testament, it says that God sends them away as far as the east is from the west. It also says that God puts them to the depths of the sea. So I thought about it this way. As you enter into 2022, those sins that God sent away last year, don't go searching for them again. Right? Don't go fishing them back up. Because here's the thing, God's not going to do that. That's not what he does. 
If you sin and he come, you come back to him like, Lord, listen, I, I blew that. I, 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 I'm sorry. I need to repent. I need to turn from that. I need to not do it. I need to follow you. God's not going to look at you and go, I forgave you that two weeks ago. Why are you back again? Come on. You know what he's going to do? He's going to send them back away again. So what he sent, don't go chase. What he's buried, don't dig back up. And so I want you to notice John's baptizing, but then also John's proclaiming. Verse 7, and he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. Verse 8, I baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I love that message John's saying right there. I mean, essentially saying this, hey guys, I'm just here to do this. Points you to the one to come. His name's Jesus. He's greater than me. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the one we've all been hoping for. He's the one we've all been praying for. And, and, and here's the really good news in salvation history when you start out Mark's gospel. See, there had been about 400 years from the last prophet by the name of Malachi to John the Baptist. About 400 years of silence, no prophets, no word from the Lord. 400 years of, of darkness in the land spiritually. And then bursting on the scene is this man by the name of John the Baptist. And he says, listen, he's here. Messiah's coming. The anointed one is here. And, and, and I'm just letting you know, he's on the way. You need to get right. You need to be ready for him. And that's my message, just simple as that. Get ready. Get right. Jesus is coming. Boy, what a message to carry into 2022, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's my role. This is your role as a believer in Jesus. Just, hey, people, Jesus is coming again. You, you, need, you need to get right. You need to follow him. He's coming. All I'm doing is just pointing you to Jesus. I'm pointing you to Jesus. So I want you to notice again. Two things within that text that are so important is we live in a world of distrust right now, and you think, man, can I trust that person? Can I trust this? You can trust God. He keeps his promises. He sent who he said he was going to send. He sends his preachers. He sent John the Baptist just like he said he would. And before we leave, I just I want you to notice one other thing in verse 4. It's real important. Do you notice where John was doing all this? He was doing it in the wilderness. And he's baptizing them in the Jordan River. Now, why in the world is that important? Why not do it in the temple? I mean, why not do it in the heart of Jerusalem? Right, right? Not, you know, I mean, the temple had to be nice, right? I mean, probably comfortable chairs for people to sit in. I mean, why take people out to a rugged terrain of the wilderness and the banks of the Jordan River to do this? Actually, there's a lot of significance in that. Yeah, because in the Old Testament, where does God often meet his people? Meets them in the wilderness. You, know, you trace through the Jewish history, and there's a lot of times those guys are in the wilderness. And where's God? He's in the wilderness with them. And when he shows up in the wilderness, it's often that God's revealing himself to them. God's providing for them. God's correcting them. God's doing signs and wonders and miracles in their lives. God's saying, look, I know you're in a wilderness period right now, but I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. I'm leading you right now. And, and you might be thinking, boy, I'm in a little bit of a wilderness period in my life. 
I mean, 2021, good gracious, how was that harder than 2020, right? I mean, for some of us, we go, man, last year was harder than a year before, and I just don't know. I love there's a meme going around I saw on, uh, on social media where a person's got a broomstick, and they're reaching it out, and they're like barely opening up the door, and the door says 2022 on it, right? Have you seen that one going around? Maybe some of you are feeling that way. Well, I don't know what in the world I'm about to step into this year. And I feel like I'm in a wilderness period financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Guess what? You're not alone. God's right there. And God's going to reveal himself to you. God's going to teach you about him. He's going to correct you. He's going to lead you. He's going to provide for you just like he always did in the Bible. But then there's something else, too. Not only are they doing this in the wilderness, doing this in the Jordan River. Again, why the Jordan River? I mean, why not another river? Why not a lake? I mean, why out here in this wilderness terrain in the Jordan? Well, how about we go back to this guy by the name of Joshua? Because in, in Joshua, he was the one that led the people of Israel across the Jordan River. And what happened when he led them across the Jordan River? They entered into the promised land. They entered into something new. And here's John the Baptist baptizing people in the Jordan River. And what is he doing? He's saying, someone new is coming. There's a new covenant on the way. And there's going to be a day while they're having a little baptism party. And there's going to be a man that walks up on the bank of that river. And John's going to say, hey, whoa, whoa, hang on, everybody stop. Just, just stop right here. Just stop right there. I want you to just point out somebody in the crowd. And he's going to just say, yeah, guys, just look over to your right over there. That, that man in the back, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's the one I've been telling you about. This morning, you can trust God because he's a God who keeps his promises. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you that there's not a promise that you have made that is unkept. That, Lord, we can look through the Bible and see there are promises that you have made that you have kept. Lord, there are promises that you've made in our lives that you have kept and that you are keeping and that you will keep. And so, Lord, I pray today as we, we enter into a new year, Lord, help us to remember that even if we feel like we're in the wilderness right now, you're with us. Lord, help us to look forward to that new beginning of this new year with you, with great anticipation of what you're going to do in, in our lives. And Lord, in a, a world of distrust right now, help us to remember we can trust you. So when people around us fail us, Lord, remind us you never will. So I'm just going to ask you right now where you are just to just take a moment to just, to just pray. Pray with what's on your heart and what's on your mind. Those of you that are at, at home worshiping with us this morning, I'm invite you to do the same. I invite you just right there in your living room where you're watching in your house to pray. What's on your heart? What's on your mind? As you're beginning this new year, is there something to repent of? Is there a sin of 2021 where you say, I don't, I don't want to take that into 2022. Lord, I need to get right with you right now. 
there's something to repent of, to turn from and to turn back to the Lord. Maybe this morning there is a, a promise to believe. As you begin in prayer right now, maybe there's a promise you need to hold on to. You're feeling alone today. The loneliness of, of being in the wilderness and just saying, Lord, wait a minute. I'm going to hold on to that promise that I'm not alone, that you are with me. Maybe this morning there's anxiety and worry. You need to hold on to the promise of peace. You remember what Philippians 4 tells us, that when we cast our burdens, our anxieties, our worries on the Lord, that he's a, a God that doesn't give us more anxieties and worries, but he gives us peace. Maybe that's a promise you need to hold on to today. But maybe today it's a, a promise of salvation. There's somebody in this room, somebody at, at home watching or, or listening in their car, maybe right now today, it's a promise of salvation you need to hold on to. You need today to, to turn from your sin and believe in Jesus. And you can simply say right where you are, dear God, I'm ready to follow Jesus today. I place my faith and my trust in him as the Lord and Savior of my life. Father, we thank you that as we enter into a new year of new beginning, there will not be one moment of this year where we're alone. You'll be with us through it all. And Father, we thank you that today we can celebrate not just any news, but the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I'm invite you.